Is the Freedom Convoy protest in Ottawa a violation of the law? Are efforts by police frustrating taking gasoline cans to the site of the protest violating the rights of protesters? Are inconvenience for the citizens of Ottawa a result of protest intransigence or the unwillingness of the Prime Minister to meet with them? Why are doctors supportive of the truckers' demonstration and why are they challenging physicians on the Prime Minister's side into an open debate on the vaccine and COVID measures generally? This week on the Global Research News Hour, as the truckers' protest has hooked the imaginations of Canadians and divided them into excited supporters and disgusted critics, we will attempt a greater understanding of what is driving the movement from their perspective. In our first half hour, we hear from Alison Payevich, a lawyer from the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms, who is representing leading organizers of the Freedom Convoy. In our second half hour, we will hear excerpts from two press conferences in recent days addressing Canadians about the issues at hand and not the claimed false rhetoric put out by mainstream media. On this week's program, will the Canadian state cancel the right of protest? Freedom Convoy no more? Bringing you the analysis beyond the media headlines, the Global Research News Hour is on the air. Welcome to the Global Research News Hour for the week of February 11th, 2022. The program is funded by the Centre for Research on Globalization, produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Aninu, Ojikri, Diné, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. I'm your host, Michael Welch. The show seeks to provide listeners with access to analysis of some of the major issues shaping our world today from thinkers, researchers, and unique political personalities rarely addressed by major media. Our shows are featured on partner radio stations across Canada and the United States and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. We'll begin our show with News Notes, a sampling of articles from the Global Research News site. Listeners should know that some of the articles may run against common messaging about sensitive subjects and are not all endorsed by this radio station. Investigative journalist Cheryl Atkinson explains how virtually everything you see and hear online has been co-opted or taken over to serve a greater agenda. Instead of real journalists and reporters, the media is infiltrated with propagandists who dictate what's fake news and what's not. The public is being manipulated to want their information censored by third-party fact-checkers, which were introduced as a tool to confuse and control the public further. Conspiracy theory, debunked, quackery, and anti-vaccine are examples of terms that are being used as propaganda tools. If you hear them, it should make you dig deeper for the truth. Those who rely solely on the Internet for their information are at serious risk of being controlled. You can fight back by doing your own research, trusting your cognitive dissonance, and using your common sense. That comes from the article, How Fact-Checking is Controlled and Faked, by Dr. Joseph Mercola, posted February 9th, originally published on the Mercola website. 
Since the global leaders of tomorrow was turned into young global leaders 2004, partners such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, and J.P. Morgan Chase, with alumni from the program, have also participated as sponsors. The ultimate consequence of both public-private partnerships and these target areas is the creation of a largely tyrannical social contract in which the individual has become subordinated to these powerful interests. Noble goals of creating a better world have also been kidnapped. This is especially evident in the context of the partnership between the WEF and the UN and the implementation of the Global Goals Agenda 2030 through the application of the technologies of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This means that the democratic principles and division of power of the 20th century have largely been completely undermined and instead replaced by a new global class that shapes our common future based on their own interests. That comes from the article, World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Revealed, by Jacob Nordengard, posted February 9th, originally published in Pharos. The 24-7 media instigation of public hysteria, panic, and social division remained the principal force driving the manufactured COVID crisis. Now, one more emergency measure is being added to a long chain of emergency measures. This extension of actions that empower government by disempowering citizens is making our degraded political culture even more insidious. This time, the object of adding more power to a government is helping the Ottawa police force to become a political instrument of the minority liberal government led by the psychologically unbalanced Justin Trudeau. Part of the process of transforming the Ottawa police officers into armed instruments of Trudeau's political control was to exempt Ottawa cops from vaccine mandates. That comes from the article, The Truckers Take Abuse in Ottawa, COVID Crimes Committed Behind the Cover of Emergency Measures, by Professor Anthony J. Hall, posted February 9th. Beginning on March 15th, law enforcement authorities will begin checking people's vaccine status by conducting random traffic stops and spot checks in order to find dissenters. Anyone caught violating the mandate can be fined, quote, up to four times a year, unquote, with the penalty increasing with each violation. An individual's first offense will result in a 600 euro or $687 fine and can go as high as 3,400 euros or $3,890 by the 4th. According to reports starting on March 15th, authorities will begin conducting random checks for vaccination certificates, including traffic stops. The new law also allows the Austrian government to create a dystopian vaccine registry that will record everyone who has been vaccinated and give those who have been found disobeying a date they must be vaccinated, allowing the government to find them repeatedly. That comes from the article. Insane. 
Austrian government authorizes dystopian vaccine registry and imposes COVID restrictions through January 2024, will begin pulling drivers over at random and fining unboosted citizens next month. By Julian Conradson, posted February 9th, originally published on Gateway Pundit. The government has put a sunset on the law for January of 2024, meaning Austrians face at least another two years of COVID tyranny. As we have previously reported, an amendment to the law could also see those who refuse to pay the fines for being unvaccinated imprisoned. The amendment also orders people who are jailed to pay for their own imprisonment. If detention is carried out by the courts, the associated costs shall be recovered by the courts from the obligated party in accordance with the provisions existing for the recovery of the costs of enforcing judicial penalties, it states. No one will be forcibly brought to a vaccination center to get jabbed against their will, although rest assured they will be forcibly placed behind bars if they continue to refuse. That comes from the article, Austrians being stopped randomly by authorities and forced to prove they are vaccinated. By Steve Watson, posted February 9th, originally published in Summit News. These are just a few of the featured articles appearing last week on the Global Research website. Regular visitors to the site are encouraged to send monetary contributions by fax, mail, or online. Just go to globalresearch.ca and click Donate on the menu bar. The enormous parade of trucks that approached Ottawa has now been in Ottawa the nation's capital, for 15 days. As mentioned, this episode explores the feelings about the Freedom Convoy from the point of view of the organizers. I can assume there has been a lot of discussion from the critical point of view. However, there has been very misleading points put forward in the mainstream press. Before we come down harshly on these truckers and other individuals, let us at least give them a chance to air their side of the story. If that's something you're not willing to do, you aren't obliged to listen. So with that, I will start with a look from a legal perspective of what the activists are doing. Uh, right now, I'm talking to Alison Pejovic. Uh, she's a representative of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and she and a group of other lawyers are acting in defense of the protesters working alongside the truckers at the uh, Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Alison Pejovich. Thank you for having me. Yeah, are you based in Calgary right now or are you in uh, Ottawa or where are you? Uh, well, our, our law firm is in Calgary, but I'm in Manitoba actually. Oh, okay, huh. so am I. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about how your group operates? Uh, you have represented clients across the country uh, wishing to take action, uh, action of resistance against COVID measures generally? Yes, we are, our mandate involves defending constitutional rights and freedoms of Canadians. And so uh, Canadians uh, in, in large numbers have contacted us and asked us to represent them in taking action against uh, what they felt were, were unconstitutional um, infringements of their charter rights and freedoms. And uh, the vaccine mandates are a very contentious issue. And 
uh, we're we're happy to uh, assist and and launch legal challenges on behalf of many many clients across the country uh, in respect of these vaccine mandates, which in our view are are blatant infringements of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And of course, uh, the truckers, um, the the three of the organizers uh, from from the Freedom Convoy 2022 contacted us last week and asked us if we'd be able to uh, assist them in, in you know, defending themselves against legal challenges brought by um, the city of Ottawa, should that arise, or just to, just to be there and, and, and ready to help them. And, um, you know, we don't represent every single trucker on the ground in Ottawa. Make that, I want to make that perfectly clear. We represent uh, the three organizers and we've chosen to do so because they're they're engaged in a peaceful protest and as long as that protest remains peaceful and uh, we are you know we're we see that as a, a an exercise of charter protected rights and freedoms some expression and also right to peacefully assemble and we see that that is what they are doing and we are uh, assisting them in defending against uh, emergency injunctions uh, we we assisted them with the injunction where um, the a private individual sued them for the the honking. So of course uh, there was a court order that last uh, last week, um, actually it was early this week. The court ordered that honking in Ottawa must cease for ten days. So we assisted them with that. And so you know there's other there's other legal challenges that will arise, uh, and uh, we will be launching a charter action on behalf of some truckers who feel that their charter rights are being infringed by the vaccine mandate for truckers. But in terms of their presence on the ground, um, you know, again, make it clear, we not we can't control, we don't know what's happening with every single trucker, but um, the, the presence itself of the convoy is a, 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 um, a stand on behalf of Canadians for, for their constitutional rights and freedoms. And so um, that, is, that is something that we are are going to assist them with as long as it remains peaceful. Okay, we'll talk about the uh, well, the, the legality and the, and the constitutional freedom that's involved uh, uh, of what the protesters have been carrying out in Ottawa for the last uh, 14 days. They came to the city to, to start a peaceful protest, but now they have applauded themselves in the city. They are now occupying the city and it is argued by critics from ordinary citizens to the mayor, to the prime minister, that the protest has to stop. Traffic is blocked. People in the street are being harassed, annoyed by the presence, uh, continuing for indefinite periods with police and other costs coming to $800,000 a day. Plus there's a pandemic. And we've heard word that at least some of these protesters, I mean, I know that you, you don't necessarily speak for all of them, but some of these protesters are waving flags with the swastika and the Confederation flags. But, but could you explain how this situation can be legal uh, you know, on, on a continuing basis under all those circumstances? Well, uh, protest is legal in Canada as long as it's peaceful. And, you know, if there are a couple of bad actors, uh, certainly there are thousands of people who are exercising their, their, their right to peacefully protest. We can't control, nor do we have information about every single person, but the movement itself, um, the, the purpose of it is to, to have dialogue with the federal government. And the reason why this is carried on as long as it has is because the federal government has not reached out in any way, shape or form to 
to the organizers of the protest. And that's what they want. They want a dialogue and they want to, to have um, a discussion with the federal government to talk about these, uh, in their view, unconstitutional mandates, which are affecting the truckers and all of Canadians. And so the, the protest could end if the federal government would at least speak with the protesters and if they could have some sort of negotiations, but that's not happening. And so it's, there's really an unfortunate impasse where you know it's 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 unfortunate that you know some Ottawa residents are unhappy with with their presence in Ottawa, but the the, the issue is the protesters feel like for the last two years um, their charter rights have been infringed and and they've only been there for a, a week and a half, and they're asking to have a discussion and that that in our view should be happening by now. It should have happened already, and with respect to the um, the swastika or uh, confederate confederate flag i don't have any information about who those people were who were who were um, displaying those flags uh, certainly i've seen a video on circulating online of a gentleman holding a confederate flag the first weekend of the protest his face was completely covered he was the only one in the crowd whose face was completely covered you couldn't see who he was and one of the truckers went up to him and, and tried to find out who he was and he quickly ran away. So, you know, I have no idea who that was, but I can tell you I was on the ground there for a few days uh, last week and over the weekend. And what I saw was people of all races and ethnic backgrounds and um, cultural beliefs, they were all standing there together, uh, expressing their love for their country and the crime rate um, from information that, that I have received has actually gone down for the, the, the couple of weeks that the truckers have been there. The crime rate in downtown Ottawa has actually gone down. I know that the, some of the truckers are feeding the homeless. They're handing out free goods. I mean, there were boxes of supplies that were, you know, sort of on the street. People could just come and take food, come and take um, free earplugs for the honking, um, you know, free supplies. So there's, in, in, in our view, there's misinformation on the media about what this protest is actually all about and who these people are. And by and large, I cannot speak for everybody, but by and large, the movement is peaceful and it's really an expression of love for Canada, love for freedom, and a hope to restore freedom that these protesters feel has been lost in Canada these last two years. Okay, so just to, to break it down, I mean, I, I mean, a, a lot of our people in our audience uh, may have gone to, to protests, and I mean, all of the protests that you've been on, I mean, how would this protest compare with other protests you've seen over the past several years? Well, I don't, I, I haven't personally been to, to protests. I, I, I prefer to, I'm <laughs> at home working and, you know, uh, assisting in, in the ways that I can as, as a lawyer. But, um, you know, this is certainly, uh, it's certainly drawn larger crowds. And I find it interesting because Canadians, by and large, compared to other countries over the last two years, have been kind of quiet on the protest front. You've seen large protests in Paris last summer, every weekend for weeks on end in Italy, huge protests and, and UK and Australia, but um, Canadians have been kind of uh, a little bit quieter. And I think uh, Canadians in general are a bit more complacent and polite and kind of quiet as compared to other, other countries. But uh, this feels like a sort of a lion has been awakened here with this convoy going through across the country. And 
I think people who felt isolated and, and felt like they felt alone in feeling like freedoms have been lost in Canada, they were kind of scared to come out and express those opinions publicly when, when they see all of these people standing on bridges and, and on the side of the road, you know, supporting this, this truck movement, it, it's really drawn people out. It's easier to, to join a large group and instead of standing out there alone. So it's really awakened a lot of people. And that's why we saw that, in, in, in my view, that's why we saw that poll that showed that um, in the last couple of weeks, 54% of Canadians actually are against the mandates and, and want freedoms restored. So that's a real shift in what we have previously seen where Canadians seem to be uh, really accepting of, of these measures. And it, it's been two years. And so, you know, the majority of the country is ready to have these mandates lifted. So it's really, um, it's interesting to see the shift there and more and more people are, are joining and these protests have, have sort of spread organically. Now we're seeing the, the borders being, um, blockaded in different areas. I, I just read this morning that the Emerson border has now, there's a blockade there. So it's really growing. And uh, I think the way to get through this is to have dialogue and the, the lack of dialogue with the federal government is in, in our view, the reason why this is only growing and not going away. So we're hopeful to have that and to have things resolved. Now there's a, <clears throat> the, the question of the rights of the protesters being violated by the, the police. Uh, I mean, there is a state of emergency that was declared over the last weekend. Uh, you know, first of all, what was the response to some of the, some of, it was a response to some of the actions taken by the protesters, I imagine. I mean, is that, uh, was that relayed to the government by the police or what, what justifies the, the new actions that are being taken? Well, uh, the definition of emergency under the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act is a situation that constitutes a danger of major proportions that could result in serious harms to persons or substantial property damage. And I, you know, what we've seen so far doesn't fit that definition. There hasn't been substantial property damage. The protesters are not throwing bricks at buildings. They're not uh, spray painting. Uh, monuments, um, you know, they're not, they're not endangering Ottawa citizens lives. And I, I don't think that there has been any allegation of um, that, that, you know, the, the police haven't shown any videos of people, uh, you know, damaging buildings or hurting Ottawa citizens. So in our view, uh, that declaration of emergency is improperly brought. And uh, that's a, a, an overreach and misuse of emergency powers. Now, because they've done that, it seems to have, um, you know, emboldened the, the police to go in and uh, confiscate fuel from the, the, the protesters and uh, arrest people who try to bring them fuel and arrest them on the charge of, of aiding and embedding mischief. But of course, mischief has a criminal intent. So the, the truckers would have to be committing a crime in order for that charge of bringing them fuel to stand. So it's, it's not like um, someone bringing bricks to someone who throws bricks through a window, that would, that would fit. But here, the truckers are there in, in our view, by and large, uh, exercising their section 2, 2B and 2C charter rights. So they're there lawfully in our view, as long as it's peaceful and uh, bringing fuel to, to people who need it to stay warm at night 
um, is very disturbing because the truckers are not staying in fancy hotels in downtown Ottawa. By and large, they're sleeping in their trucks and they need that fuel to keep warm and it's the middle of the winter. So it's disturbing to us to see that 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 um, it's and, and dangerous for that fuel source to be removed. Uh, are the police violating the rights of the protesters in ways other than just carrying out this uh, state of emergency as it were? Well, I mean, you know, our argument is that removing their their source of of, of heat and source of uh, it, it could affect their 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 survival if, if they're going to freeze and some of them have children with them. And so that's that's a that's a scary situation if they're not able to keep warm. So and, and you know, the situation is is very fluid. Uh, there's different different elements of uh, our different facts are, are changing every day, every minute. And so, you know, we're keeping a close eye and on what's going on on the ground. I'm not there anymore, but, um, you know, I'm trying to to keep our, our legal team ready to assist and, and, and fight uh, any action that we see as, as uh, breaching our, our, our clients' charter rights and freedoms. And we also have uh, connections with Defence Council in Ontario who are ready to assist uh, should that become necessary to help these truckers as well if, if they need it. Now, I've heard that the, the closed circuit cameras uh, in the area uh, have been cut off. You know, this is the, they, they monitor, you know, all sorts of in, inform, uh, information that, uh, that that's visible. Um, if the protesters are harmless, why is deactivating the cameras actually happening? I have no idea. I can't speak to the intent of whoever's in charge of the cameras uh, turning them off. Okay. I know that when the convoy was making its way across the country, um, you know, I was, I was interested in looking at, uh, to, to see the line of trucks, but uh, a lot of the cameras on the highways in Ontario were offline. So I, I don't know why that's happening, but, uh, and I don't, have, I don't have a current update on that situation. I'm not sure if they're still offline, but uh, in our view, that's a, that's a safety concern for everybody, for the police and for truckers and for citizens on the ground. There should be if they're not online, uh, they, they should be online um, so that there can be a record of what's going on down there. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, is there concern, uh, I mean, maybe that you can address this, I mean, you wouldn't know, but is there a concern that maybe a major crackdown, crackdown on the activists uh, is likely to happen as a result of, uh, you know, you, you're shutting down the cameras. I mean, you're not just block blocking, blocking protesters, you're also blocking the police. And, and they, they could maybe do things uh, like that's something that's happened before. I'm just wondering if, if that is a concern, something that might happen. Well, sure. I mean, again, I, I, I can't I can't give up to date information on the camera situation. But if there was uh, a raid on the, on the protesters by the police, of course, uh, we would want that to be caught on camera. We would defense counsel would want would want video um, footage of that. Uh, to be used in in future court actions, and just just for just for safety purposes too, to have a record of what went on. And you know we are we are concerned and and really disturbed by the notion that there might be some sort of a raid when there hasn't been any dialogue because all of this could be avoided if there was dialogue between the federal government and and these truckers and the organizers, and it wouldn't have to come to this. So we are still hopeful that there will be a peaceful resolution that doesn't involve uh, mass arrests. 
Okay. Um, I, I guess I also I, I, I want to make mention of the fact that uh, you're in you're in Winnipeg right now, as I understand it. Yes. Uh, there's a, a massive protest happening at the uh, Manitoba legislature, and uh, it's well, it's it's as they say they're blocking traffic so people can't get into the city as easily. They're making noise. Um, and, and so the, the city of Winnipeg is having a vote today in the, in the city council to, to take some sort of action to remove them. Uh, so in your estimation, uh, what sorts of rights do this, does the city or what, what sorts of rights do protesters have to uh, protect themselves from this sort of movement to have them? Well, again, it's, it's the, the Constitution of Canada is the highest law in the land and the Charter of Rights is yeah. part of the Constitution of Canada. And so the protesters are protected under Section 2 B and C of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and any infringement on those rights must be justified under Section 1 of the Charter, which involves a, a legal analysis of whether uh, there is a reasonable justification to infringe on those rights. And that, that is, a, that is a, a legal analysis and, and a determination that must be made by a court. So, you know, of course, the, the city and the police could, could remove the protesters, but, um, you know, they could bring a court challenge to determine whether that removal was unconstitutional and, and a judge would have to decide that. Okay. All right. Um, well, uh, Alison, I, I think you've uh, spent a lot of time answering my questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to our audience. Thank you for having me. I just spoke with Alison Pejevich. She is a lawyer from the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms, the team representing three of the lead organizers of the Freedom Convoy. You can read several of their own articles on the subject at jccf.ca. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, broadcasting from CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg and from partnering radio stations across Canada and the United States. In recent days, tensions have begun to build. There's even word of a major crackdown coming soon, maybe even before this episode sees air. I will give you a, a recent speech, a press conference, uh, by Tom Marazzo. He is speaking on behalf of the Freedom Convoy Organization from the morning of February 10th, 2022. Good evening, and thank you for attending from all around the world all around Canada, all around Ontario, and all around Ottawa. This week, Justice McLean presided over a matter before him in the court regarding to many of the activities of the protesters. And he reaffirmed in his courtroom that we have a constitutional right to be here, to do this protest. We recognize there is a significant amount of pressure on city officials. Our issues are not with the city of Ottawa. Our issues are not with the city uh, residents. Our issues are with the federal government, in particular, the Liberal Party of Canada, who have formed a government. That is who our issues are with. We have a legal right to be here as Canadian citizens. We are exercising that legal right to do so. Given the pressures to the city, I have been working tirelessly, tireless, tireless, excuse me. I've been working very hard 
to work with the city officials to relieve some of the pressure on the city managers, the law enforcement, and the residents themselves. We have shoveled snow. We have cleaned garbage. We have fed the homeless. We have helped out in medical emergencies. We have done everything within our power to support the people of Ottawa and to find a way to get our message across while still remaining relevant and putting pressure where pressure is due on the federal government. We have no interest in federal politics. We have one mission, and that is to end the mandates and to stop this from happening again. We do not have any interest in meddling in internal, internal political uh, strife. We have no interest in meddling in the mechanisms of government. We just want to end the COVID-19 vaccine passports, the masks, the mandates. We want the laws to be re reaffirmed. Okay, we have worked tirelessly to communicate that goal. At some levels of government, that doesn't seem to be penetrating. Okay, it's very frustrating. Two days ago, I did uh, an address very similar to this, and I begged, I begged for somebody from the city of Ottawa to sit at a table with me at noon, two days ago. It's now Wednesday night, and I'm doing another address like this, and I am doing everything in my power to work with the city of Ottawa to relieve the pressure on them. But it would appear that that has not been very fruitful. It would appear that certain members of the Ottawa Council are trying to use this Freedom Convoy 2022 to further their own careers and to continue to put pressure on law <coughs> enforcement to escalate use of force, not de-escalate it. We are a peaceful protest. We want to go home, but we are here for as long as the Canadian public wants us to be here. And how do we know that they want us here? Because they send us money, they send us food, they send us fuel, they send us their love. They send us letters. They send us their stories. They want us to be here. So we will be here for as long as the Canadian public wants us to be here. I invite the federal government to sit at a table and let's find a way to resolve this. I will not allow this to be derailed by insignificant politicians at this local level who have aspirations of greatness. We are aware that there is a process center that has been set up in the city with fingerprinting equipment, camera equipment, and it's a facility meant to protest, uh, to process arrested truckers. 
We are prepared for this. If we are arrested, we will, we will be taken into custody peacefully. We will not resist. Okay? We have a team of pro bono lawyers here in Ottawa who have set up an entire clinic to help our drivers deal with all the nuisance tickets that we're getting, all the ridiculous nickel and dime issues that we've been dealing with in order to put pressure and annoyance onto the truckers. For those of you who are at home and you feel that this is much more than what it really appears to be, it is not. We are here for one thing and one thing only. And that is just to end the mandates. I know that the PMO's office has given instructions down to the city level to end this by Saturday. He does not want to end this through leadership, which is what people elected him to do. He doesn't want to end this through dialogue. He wants to end this by his old playbook that he's been using for the last two years, which is to talk about swastikas. Swastikas? Really? That's... That's the tactic. That's unacceptable. It's irresponsible. It's immoral. It's unethical for a sitting prime minister to talk about people that have a legal right to exercise their, their charter rights to protest. But he continues down this road. I will sit at a table with you, Mr. Prime Minister. I will talk to you. I will work out a deal with you that is amicable, amicable to everybody. I don't do that on my, on my own volition. I do that on behalf of the truckers. I will sit down right now, any place, any time with you. Let's solve this. Let's get at a table. People sent the members of parliament to Ottawa to represent, to lead. That's what we expect from you. That's not what we're getting. In, in, in exchange, what we're getting is the propensity to use tough talk and angle yourself, position yourself to a violent outcome. We are not going to give that. We will not be tricked into that. That is never going to happen. We are a peaceful convoy. It says... This has been going on for two years that they have gone through for the last two years. The, the way their lives have been destroyed, their incomes impacted, the jobs lost, the suicides, children that are six years old telling their families they want to die. That's ridiculous. Justice McLean has told you loud and clear. He has reaffirmed you loud and clear. We have a right to be here, a right to be heard, a right to protest. That is what we are here to do. We are prepared to be arrested peacefully. We have legal representation already prepared. We know that the Canadian Armed Forces are doing their staff checks right now. We know other police forces all across Ontario are being asked to get involved. 
We also know that retired members of the military, active members of the military, retired members of all levels of law enforcement, active members of law enforcement, want no part of this. They think it's morally wrong. It's not what they signed up for. This is ridiculous that this late in the game, I have to be making statements to the government of Canada to get them to sit at a table. I do not anticipate in any way that the Canadian forces would come here with aggressive vehicles, aggressive stance. So I'd like to uh, put any of the discussion or rumor of that to rest now. I understand the Canadian Armed Forces. They will support law enforcement and they know that they cannot be seen to be taking over from law enforcement. That is part of their mandate. They will not. I understand that. I understand that they'll take on a supporting role. That's fine. We are not afraid of members of the Canadian Armed Forces coming here. This is a peaceful protest. We have no fear here. We are prepared. We're highly motivated because we can't go home. We cannot go home. We cannot abandon our families. We cannot abandon our communities. Everybody here in this convoy is here for their children. That's why we're here. And if you can't understand that, I'm sorry. Get somebody in a room with me who does. We are a peaceful protest. We want peace. We want the mandates to end. And last thing I will say, we want this to never happen again, ever. So it's not good enough just to say, I'm gonna end the mandates, I'm gonna end masks this. Every premier right now is feeling the winds shift in one direction or another, and they're ending the mandates, and people know that it's a bait and switch. The only way this truly actually does matter is that if we stop doing this and then we stop this, we set the, the conditions so this never happens to Canadians again. That's when we'll know that we can get back to just being the fun-loving Canadians that we are known for around the world. Thank you for your time. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for all the the food, the fuel, the, the financial support to the truckers. Thank you for the letters. Keep doing videos. Keep reaching out. Keep sending your love. Pray for us to be resolved. Pray for us to make good decisions. If there are any questions, I'll take those now. I just asked a question of... Um for those who have the time to and can travel, uh, would, are you encouraging them to come to Ottawa or are you not? It's my belief that the police will move tonight or sometime in the early morning and start uh, rounding up uh, peaceful protesters. Uh, should that happen, my concern truthfully is that it escalates the situation on the ground, making it more tense making it dangerous for everybody. And I want to be clear about something. 
We start off every meeting that we have with a prayer. And in every single meeting, we talk about safety and responsibility. Not just the safety of the truckers, but the safety of the law enforcement, of the citizens of Ottawa, everybody who is here. We constantly ensure that we can be as safe as possible. And we're trying to be responsible with every decision that we make. Our beef is not with the city of Ottawa. It's with the federal government in their mandates. And just a follow-up to that, um, there's been a lot of people saying a lot of different things, a lot of accusations made about this Freedom Convoy not supporting democratic process or trying to, ups, you know, over overroot government and things like that. What is the Freedom Convoy's opinion on that rhetoric? That's a great question, and I've been getting uh, I've, get, I've been getting a little bit of attacks on uh, social media over that question. Um, I I understand the confusion. I understand that people would believe that there's some sort of an agenda here to overthrow the government of Canada, and I I can't really comprehend where uh, that level of thinking comes from. There's never ever been a discussion that I've been a part of that I've been in a room where we talk about any internal political situations. We just happened to be here during the, the uh, vote of non-confidence where the Conservative Party replaced their leader. We just happened to be in town when that happened. We had nothing to do with it. We have no interest in that kind of politics. We don't care who the government is, but the Liberal Party of Canada forms the government. We will talk to them. They are the legitimate government of Canada. That's who we would like to talk to. If that changes sometime in the future, then that new government is who we would like to talk to. We have no interest in the politics of, of Canada in that way. We just want to talk to the people that we should be talking to, and that is the Liberal Party of Canada. We want them to show some leadership. And a last question from me, and then we'll open it up. But what would your advice be to people that support this movement who have big followings online, who perhaps are not privy to the information that truckers are giving on the ground in Ottawa? Um, what kind of message uh, should they be focusing on getting out? This is peaceful, okay? We're... There seems to be... This idea, because of, of the dishonesty of mainstream media, they've been so disrespectful to Canadian viewers who pay their salaries and fund them. The mainstream media continues to, to go with the, the belief that if it bleeds, it leads. And they, they cherry-pick all of the, the worst possible things and use that as, as the brush to paint the entire convoy with. Okay? We're a, a, a convoy of peace. It's a peaceful protest. That's all we're about. We don't want to talk to the mainstream media because they're not fair. They're not balanced. They're too busy making the news as opposed to reporting what's true, truly going on here. They will have you think that this is an armed you know, insurrection, which is ridiculous. You know what we have here? Bouncy castles. Bouncy castles. In, in speeches and singing O Canada. That's what we have here. 
we have a lot of love and a lot of support. We don't have violence. So what I would say to people is, if, if there's talk of, of violence or misbehaving on the part of the, the, the truckers, that's categorically false and ir irresponsible to talk like that. And I would invite you, if you don't believe me, and in fact, I was on the street the other day and I said, and I met a couple on the street that said, we heard all this bad stuff about you guys, we just wanted to come down for you, down and see for ourselves. And they were shocked. They were shocked that it was so peaceful and full of love. Okay, it's like Canada Day here every weekend. That's what this is about. So that's what I'd like to, that's what I would say to people that want to support and know what's really going on. Thank you. Any more questions? I have one where they're saying we are an occupation at this point. What mm -hmm. would you say to somebody that thinks we're an occupation? Somebody who says that we're an occupation is not exercising their own ability to critically think. What they're doing is they're just parroting mainstream media talking points. They're not actually doing their own thinking. They're not actually reaching out and getting the, uh, the true story of what's here. And if you believe this is an occupation, then I strongly suggest you get on, get in a vehicle, on a plane, on a train, a boat, and you come to Ottawa and you see for yourself if this is an occupation. Then you decide. But be honest, be fair, and if you still believe that bouncy castles are an occupation, then I would say fair is fair, you did your research, you came here and you looked for yourself, then you can go right ahead and post all you want on social media, it, which is your right to do so. But until you come here and see for, for yourself, don't parrot the mainstream media narrative. You're being used to forward an agenda of hate and fear. That was Tom Morazzo speaking in Ottawa. At a separate event, we have speeches by two doctors. The first one up is Roger Hodkinson. Dr. Roger Hodkinson is a Royal College Certified General Pathologist and also a Fellow of the College of American Pathologists. Paul Alexander is a COVID-19 Consultant Researcher in Evidence-Based Medicine, a research mythology and clinical epidemiology. And uh, also... Uh, he informally provided support to some members of the U.S. Congress. Both of them support the trucking convoy and are calling for a debate with the scientists supporting the current modalities of treating and curing COVID-19 with vaccines. Here first is Dr. Hodkinson, followed next by Dr. Paul Alexander. Um, I'm not trying to be melodramatic here. I'm a physician. I'm, I'm a parent, and I'm a Canadian. Every life matters. Every single life matters to a physician. These are not statistics. They're not zeros and percentages. The scale of death has been happening in this country as a result of these of government playing medicine. 
is in an order of magnitude never ever seen before. It is utterly inexcusable and it makes me madder than hell as a physician to see the rights of physicians trampled on so mercilessly. As Randy said, we have to be enormously grateful to truckers of all people, guys with dirty fingernails, said respectfully, to leaders at this momentous time when medicine and law and media and the church in particular have failed <laughs> in their duty to lead the population through this and to oppose these draconian measures, none of which have any real support. In fact, the measures that have been used, I could say quite bluntly, have not only not, not worked, but they've made a situation infinitely worse. We would have been through with this mess six months ago, a year and six months ago, if it had been treated with common sense, like we've all done with previous flu epidemics, of which this really is not materially different. Instead, we had politics playing medicine, and that's what's got us into this, this awful mess. COVID is, a, in, in, in a very real sense, a fortunate experience. Yes, tragically, people have died, many unnecessarily because of the denial of access to early treatment. But we needed a focus. We needed the point of the spear sticking at us, saying, finally, Canada, wake up. You're losing freedoms that you fought for so determinedly for years, for decades. And now is the time to rise up. And that's why we have to thank the truckers for leading us at this important time. And it's not just the truckers and vaccination. And by the way, a, a little digression here. This, truckers can cross from PEI to Vancouver without vaccination. American truckers can truck from New York to Seattle without vaccination, and yet to go north-south, they need a vaccination? This is absolute madness. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or a medical specialist to figure that one out. No, we've reached the end of the line. It really is a catastrophic intervention that has to stop. It has to stop immediately. No dithering here. People are dying now. Pregnant women are being injected now with an experimental agent for which we have no data. Does anyone here remember the word thalidomide? Thalidomide, that could happen all over again. Look at our children who've been affected the worst of all the sectors in society, our children, our most precious asset. They've not only been suffering the, the absence of, of nonverbal non education, the smile, the hug, being made to feel suspicious of anyone around them that's going to last them lifelong. But now they're being attacked by a vaccine that isn't necessary and could well kill them. Is child sacrifice what we're all about in this country? To appease the new gods? I don't think so. And then beyond that, they're going to suffer for the rest of their lives because they'll be paying off the national debt with the net result being a loss of standard of living. That's what this government has done to this population. And it has to stop now. Thank you. First of all, I want to go on record again because I've been on record for two years now. Definitely one year that uh, under no condition, none. There's no data anywhere in the world. No one, no new, no Tams, no Fauci, no books, no CDC, no NIH, no Health Canada, no FAT. No one has prosecuted a case as to why your child must get a vaccine. Under no condition must a Canadian parent allow these vaccines into the arms of their children. 
I know enough about these vaccines. These vaccines can severely harm your children long term. Now, this is a blue, cover, blue color movement now. Omicron presents an exit strategy and an off-ramp to the government, to the governments of the world. This is the way out of this pandemic. Omicron is mild. It can be treated like seasonal influenza. And the most important issue that we need to consider today as to why the mandates are moot is because these vaccines do not cut the chain of transmission. If a vaccine does not stop transmission, therefore the vaccine mandate must end. The transmission issue is the key issue here. And the reality about it is when we look back now, for two years, we've been telling Canada, we've been telling the United States and Great Britain and Australia, every nation, every single COVID policy failed. Every lockdown in this world failed. Every school closure failed. Every mask mandate failed. They have failed in every single thing they have done. And we cannot remain in a posture of fear where we are in fear of the hypothetical emergence of some virus in the future at some uncertain unknown time. We cannot. We have to end this now. You cannot tell a trucker coming to the border because they are unvaccinated, willing to exercise their natural immunity, that they cannot come into Canada and earn a living. You cannot tell a Canadian trucker that they cannot move about within Canada and earn a living. They cannot go to the restaurant. They cannot live a normal life. When the data is absolutely clear, I challenge anyone, any public service person, any public health official in Canada, I challenge you to come Friday to sit down with Dr. Byron Brittle, Dr. Roger Hawkinson, and myself. You can bring the entire public health agency of Canada. You could bring the entire health Canada. And you, Dr. who led this response from Canada. You have failed. I have followed you. I have followed you scientifically. You have failed, abject failure. So you come and you bring whatever science you have. You bring it to the table. We will bring our science. You have no science. You have no basis for these lockdowns. And it is time. It is time that the prime minister stops this fear mongering. The COVID pandemic is over. It is time that we end the pandemic emergency. There is no more reason for the emergency and allow Canadians now to live freedom, free lives again, and long live the truckers. That was Paul Alexander. Before him, Roger Hodkinson speaking to issues at press conferences on February 10th. And that is it for this edition of the show. Next week, we are featuring the annual Fun Drive show. We hope you will donate what you can. You're listening to the Global Research News Hour, a program funded by the Center for Research on Globalization and produced in collaboration with campus community radio station CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Ininu, Oji Cree, Diné, and Dakota, the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. The show is aired on other radio stations across Canada and the United States and available for streaming or download at the site globalresearch.ca. To leave feedback on this program, please email globalresearchnewshour at gmail.com. I've been the show's host and producer, Michael Welch. Thank you once again for joining us.